Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony. Thank you for choosing to join us today, and I'm hoping you are all fantabulous. Are you guys doing fantabulous? Yes. Fantabulous. Okay. On each podcast, I will first be introducing our guest, sharing a short bio of their lives and careers, asking them questions pertaining to their careers, and then ending with their personal opinions of the current events that influence all of our daily daily lives as Minnesotans and as Americans. And my special guests, plural today, are White Earth Reservation Council member Henry George Fox, who recently won the District 1 representative seat and Dana Collins, a tribal member and an advocate for White Earth families who were isolated during COVID. And I want to thank you both for joining us on the Downright Upright show today. Thank you. Thank you. Okie doke. And before I begin, I'll be remiss if I don't congratulate Henry on your election to the District 1 representative seat. Henry, congratulations to you. Thank you. You bet. And uh, can you tell our listeners a little about your childhood? For example, where you were born and raised and went to school, Henry. We'll start with Henry. Okay. Uh, I was born on the White Earth Reservation over on the north, the north end over there by Bagley. And the village we, we grew up in was the Rice Lake Village. And there's two different areas of uh, Rice Lake, if you go come into the, uh, what, what side would that be? The west side of Rice Lake, they used to call it Jack Pine. So we kind of lived up on the hill. They called us the big tall people that lived on the hill because <laughs> we're all like six footers, you know. So. But then, you know, we were very involved with our community. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was born at the Bagley Hospital, family doctor back in 1964. And uh, went to school, at, you know, in Bagley, a non-native school, mm-hmm. and made it, you know, made it through high school, made it through elementary, made it through high school, graduated in 1982, uh, 1983, enlisted in the Army, and spent, spent uh, like three years in the Army. And Thank you for your service, yeah, by the way. Thank you. And uh, did like six years of the... Uh, Army Reserve out of Walker, Minnesota, and then we were the last unit out of that in 1989. And then I just said I had enough, you know. So, so I I got dishonorably discharged, and we're honorably discharged. Not yeah, we got to yeah, got to switch that. Honorably, <laughs> it was honorably discharged <laughs> okay. out of there. And, okay, and it was you know it was quite quite a you know. A thing to go to, you know, the serve serve the country, and because what they told us years ago was, you know, we're dual citizens of the reservation and of the United States. Yes. And they told us, you guys, you know, nobody ever told you you guys had to go serve, but you should see the population of the Native American people that go serve. So, mm-hmm. so family-wise, you know, it was something that I felt I had to do. So. And and me and my older brother, you know, did it, and we're happy about it. So, oh yeah, well, thank you yeah. for for your service. That's wonderful. And uh, Dana, how about you? Well, I was born in Minneapolis in 1966. Um, my mother and birth father had four kids. Uh, when I was a toddler, he had lots. Um, a few years later, my mother remarried my stepdad, who raised us. Uh, we 
moved to West Central Minnesota, where my they had two more. We had two. They had two more in the in the in Minneapolis, and then uh, took six kids and them uh, to West Central Minnesota in a town called Ashby. It's uh-huh. where I went to high school, elementary school, high school, um, from age seven on up. Uh, went to college in St. Cloud. It was then that I reconnected with my Native Native American White Earth roots. Mm-hmm. Um, interned at Malak's Band of Ojibwe uh, in the 80s. This was before there was casinos. It was very poor and desolate, and I thought I knew poor being one of six kids. Um, I, I learned poor in a totally different way, but I also saw how a community really came together to help each other out. After college, I, we, I graduated. My husband and I moved to the cities. We raised our family in Egan. Um, put our three kids through college. Go Gophers, they're all Gophers. Oh, wow. Um, yep. Oldest one got her master's there. Second one went out east to Cambridge, Massachusetts. And then our last one is applying for his master's somewhere. We'll find out. He was, on, he was the lead of the rocket team that won the world champion. Again, go Gophers. Wow, <laughs> yeah. congratulations. Big advocate of education, big advocate of education with the Native American group. I've been involved as a para in the district. I was a licensed daycare provider before that for 12 years. Um, I had a retirement job working retail, which I absolutely love, but I quit because of COVID. Uh-huh. It was, uh, it got very scary. It was a tough um, time. Yeah, right? it was. Absolutely. At that time, my husband and I decided, you know what? I'm going to focus on this. So I started this drive. And uh, it gave me something to do while helping our daughter out east plan her wedding. Right. So, yep. Oh, awesome. Um, so when did you both realize you wanted to be active in the White Earth community? Was there a particular incident that prompted you? Um, or it, it was always in your soul that you needed to do something? Um, Dana? We'll start with so you. I have been involved with the native communities down here in the cities just because of a four and a half hour drive one way it was you know it was difficult um i i didn't make the time nor did i have the time raising three kids and being involved with activities to be involved but COVID allowed that what happened was is we were traveling i was traveling out east a lot we have a daughter that lives in washington dc and she needed help planning her wedding dress fitting, um, venue search, all of this. And I was scared to get on a plane because of COVID. Um, I was in my 50s, I had never been back, you know, couldn't get a vaccine. Vaccines here in the cities were difficult to get, um, unlike other states. Uh, I came across online that White Earth was uh, vaccinating their, their, their members. So I spoke to my husband, and he said, if they can get us in, you in, just you, um, we'll drive up. And I said, okay. So I made a phone call, and they said, absolutely, come on up. So it was a four-and-a-half-hour drive on one of the coldest mornings in, the, in um, winter of 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. um, 41 degrees below zero. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, it was cold. Uh, they not only vaxxed me, but they vaxxed my husband. While we were waiting for the 15, 20 minutes to make sure we weren't having an allergic reaction, I was speaking to a clerk who told me, she says, it is really, really bad up here. And just a side note about that, I came across some information the other day that supports that. Um, Monoman County, which is completely encompassed in White Earth Reservation, 
um, is the poorest and has been the poorest uh, county in the state of Minnesota. Was their vaccination rate lower than the community at large or that is a good question i cannot answer that did I you just notice know that, that there were that it was accessible well, what was there? going on it was very um, um, accessible the fact is is that uh people they were coming in they were driving up from the cities to get vaxxed because they couldn't get vaxxed down here mm, okay um it was very interesting what White Earth did is they go through the Indian Health Services. I read this online. They were going through the Indian Health Services versus the FDA to get the vaccines. So therefore, they were able to get them quicker. Oh, okay. And they were vaccinating not only their tribal members, but people in the community, people in surrounding counties. They were just getting everybody vaccinated, doing their best. Okay. And so what happened is, is while I was waiting for my 15 minutes, um, they, I was speaking to a woman who was telling me how poor it is and how people have lost their jobs and people are desperate and families are, there was 13 people living in a one bedroom home and oh resources were few and far between. Mm. My husband and I looked at each other and I said, we're coming up in a month, we've gotta do something. Well, being that education is very important to us, um, I called Manoman Schools and I spoke to a principal who told me, we have a pool, but the kids don't have swimsuits. He says that is considered a luxury, and people have to drive to Fargo, which is well over an hour away. Oh well, if you think about it, um, a lot of these people lost jobs. They don't have the monies to do this, to have them. They don't have um, the vehicles, mm -hmm. the transportation to get there. So I put out a, a, a notice on Nextdoor app, and I asked people, would you be willing to donate? I did not... I was hoping to get 20 to 30 suits. We collected, I quit counting over 250. We got over well over 250, probably right around 300. I can't be f certain I didn't count. And you put smiles on all those children's faces. You know faces. what, we brought That's them up, the but not yeah. only that, but people were um, donating clothing. People in our community, in the Ian community, in the surrounding suburbs said, let's do more. They were sharing this amongst um, other communities. I heard from people in, in Hudson, Wisconsin. I heard from people in Minnetonka because they wanted to donate. Well, who am I to say no? Mm. We had the third stall garage. It was open. We had all these spare bedrooms because at this point, it was just my husband and I living at home. Our son had moved out. He was finishing his last year of college. We had this big house and lots of rooms, so let's do it. I did not expect what we, we got. It was wow. incredibly generous awesome. and incredibly wonderful. Awesome, awesome. Henry, how about you? Um, was there a particular incident that prompted you um, to become more active in the community? Well, I've always been, you know, kind of active in whatever, you know, even as a community member, helping people. Uh, whatever it is they need, you know, if they needed help with firewood, you know, for the winter. Right. Uh, if I had a little bit of money, you know, I'd help them out that way where I guess years ago, you know, just trying to make a living myself, you know, working at a sawmill for 15 years and then having the addiction of alcoholism and other drugs, you know, till I was probably 34 years old. And after that, you know, because I knew I couldn't pick up my, uh, my culture because there's no room for that in our culture, and there never was. So after I became sober, you know, I picked up my culture, you know, the sweat lodges, uh, pipe ceremonies, and 
uh, powwows and stuff, you know, I started attending and following that path, uh, learning from some of my mentors, you know, which most of them are up in the spirit world right now. And uh, that was a little tough for me, you know, of losing them. It was just like losing family, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I kind of asked myself, you know, what am I going to do now, you know. But, but then they, you know, they came to me, you know, everything comes to you in a dream. And they came to me and told me, wow. everything's going to be okay. And you don't worry about, about us, you know, what we taught you, you carry that on. And this so. brought you to running for your position, yeah. right? Yep. This is this dream? Was it the yeah, dream it, itself? Well, wow. I've always had that dream because my father, you know, was a council member too back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh-huh. And uh, I always said I wanted, you know, to follow them footsteps because he taught us everything. Right, right. And uh, so that's what I did. And, you know, everybody said, uh, you know, when you get certified after you, you know, apply for running, uh, that's when your uh, campaign begins. Well, with me, it didn't. You know, mine was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I started pushing, you know, my campaign and I guess what I'm about and what, you know, I can offer. I can't promise you nothing because I don't have nothing to promise. You know, mm-hmm. I just promise hard work. And I'll be there for you, our people, you know, so. Uh, you came a long way. I mean, yeah. after that addiction problem and yep. then you had that dream and then it pushed you into the position. You must be, very, I'm very proud of you. Yeah, thank I, you. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, when you hear of, of stories like that, it makes you, it gives you that good feeling inside that there are still people out there is, yep. who care for each other rather yeah. than, you know, um, if anybody deserves this position, it's him. Yeah, yeah you know, like like I say, you know, I was, you know, helping with uh, food boxes and everything. Also, uh-huh. uh, I just read in the news that our our preacher, she's a preacher woman, uh-huh. she actually got in an accident last night on Highway 59 over there by Wabin. Is she okay? She's okay. She's home. Thank God. She yeah. said, thanks for all the prayers, but I didn't even know until I got up, you know, so. Right, right. I'll have to give her a call, but yeah, yeah she yeah. was really helpful. She's a little short. <laughs> Bernaki is her last name. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's start with Henry this time. Um, initially, you were community safety officer of Rice Lake com- uh, Community on the reservation. And what were your duties and experiences, and what did you, uh, you know, issues that you encountered with that community at that time? Well, there, you know, I was the CSO, they called it, community service officer, you know, for the community of Race Lake. And uh, I did a lot of everything because I was also on the community council as their chair. And uh, some of the things that we encountered you know, especially through the pandemic there, was uh, food. You know, how how are we all going to get food? How Is it a food desert survive? up there, by and large, or especially during the, the pandemic? During or? the pandemic it was, you know, because a lot of the stores weren't open. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people got good money, you know, from the unemployment and stuff. And, you know... When when it was really bad, I drew that myself, you know, because I worked at the, the Shooting Star Casino in Monoman, mm-hmm. 
And I did that for probably a short period of like three months. And then I said, I can't do this. You know, I got to get out and see what I can do for the people. So then I worked with Jackie and I worked with uh, ENP, Elderly Nutrition Program, you know, to say we need to still get this food to our people. So we were getting big pallets, you know, we were using our truck, uh, trailer, stacking them high, you know, and bringing Mm -hmm. them back to the res. Uh, I only had one accident and that was right towards the end, you know, and it was pretty warm out and I come around the corner by Roy Lake there, where I kind of where I live there, and then you head on seven north there to get to Rice Lake. Well, I turned the corner kind of sharp and tipped over a couple pallets, you know. And Oops. Of course, when they tip over, you know, you got every dog in the neighborhood. Well, they got to eat too, you know. And what you're saying so. <laughs> I love. He has a great sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but, sure Dana knows ah, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, and then the churches, you know, became involved too, and they they had food also too, you know. So we're well, you, you you know, and what uh, what happened in Buffalo? Um, I'm sure you guys remember the they they had a shooting up there. It was a food desert to begin with, and they had to close that store after the African Americans right. were killed in that store. It was quite a few people, and it just seems to me, and it just irks me makes me angry all the time when I hear it's always in a community of color or a marginalized community. Do you notice, is it just me or? No. Um, if you know White Earth and these communities that he's talking about and the ones that we helped, um, they're isolated. Internet service is poor. Cell uh-huh. service is poor. If I text him, um, I was texting another CSO and she didn't get the message for a few days because it's that bad. Wow. Um, it's just desolate, isolate. If you're lucky to have a convenience store in town, to go to Walmart and some of those ca- in those cities, it's a 35, 40-minute drive. It's bad. Some wow. of those kids drive 15, 20 minutes to go to school. His address is Monoman, but it's not really Monoman. It is probably about 15, 16, 20 miles. I don't know, something like that from Monoman. Oh um, it's north of NATO. Do Wash. the children have school buses, or how did they absolutely, get to school? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. But it's it's uh, few and far between. I'm sure they yeah. have um, Circle of Life Academy in White Earth. It is a charter school, uh, but they're making headwaves. It's amazing what they're doing. They have a great superintendent right now, Victoria Wind, who is making changes. You have NATO Wash uh, Charter School. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going through changes now too. Um, just uh, it's an elementary school though. The mm-hmm. high school is Manoman or Bagley. Mm. So okay. Yeah. All right. So um, now this one's going to be for you, Dana. Sure. As a tribal member, and you've volunteered your time, especially during the COVID pandemic, delivering clothing, toiletries, household items, and among other things to the community. What are some experiences you have encountered in doing that work that you would like to share with our listeners? First of all, the people down in our community of Egan and the surrounding area, Dakota County, it goes as far as Hudson, Wisconsin, Minnetonka. People couldn't have been more generous. I never anticipated this. I've lived in Egan for over 30 years. By the way, uh, interrupt. I want to do a, a land acknowledgement because I didn't do that. And okay. with Native people, I'd like to do that. Um, I want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of? I think Lakota. Right? Is this Lakota in the Dakota County area? Down here? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's two uh, 
there's two down here, the Shakopee. Well, there's Shakopee, then further over is Morton, Lower Sioux. Okay. So we just yeah. want to acknowledge them. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Just, I, yeah. I was going to do that. Minden, Sioux, and then uh, there's the Prairie Island. Yep. Prairie Those are the closest. And then there's one in Wisconsin, isn't there? Right across the border, I thought. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's quite a few up there. They got, you know, Red Cliff and uh, Bad River, I think. Reservations uh-huh. close to. So. Sure. Okay. We got actually, we have 11 tribes here in Minnesota. In the state of Minnesota. Yeah. The whole state. The whole state. Federally oh. recognized tribes, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry about that, Dana. I no, just wanted no, to no. get that out there because uh, some of our listeners that no. live in Dakota would like so to So it started off with swimsuits, but it turned into more than that because people down here were saying, can we give more? And it's like, well, who am I to say no? The need is great. I've seen it. Let's make another trip. So after the second vax, we dropped off at the schools. I got I was involved with the housing development. It's for lower-income housing in Natawash. Mm-hmm. Had no idea I had relatives over there because I didn't know them. Um, we dropped off, and then we dropped more off, and then we continued dropping off. It's interesting because the community members didn't quite know how to take me. They thought, what does she want? People don't just drop things off. They always want something. <laughs> Well, um, it's just continuing. That's a sad state to think about. Well, think about it. Can you blame them? It's healthy skepticism. I mean, with everything that they've gone through, with what we've gone through, I guess. Absolutely. Um, Once they realized, hey, I'm a White Earth member, I just want to help, it was a totally different mindset. Um, We would go in, we would drop off. It got to the point that my uncle out there said, you got to go to Rice Lake. You got to go to Pine Point. That's how I met Henry. And it's been, we've made at least 40 trips, probably 50, not just to the reservation, but even up to Little Falls, to St. Cloud, to Wadena. Mm. And I would meet a CSO and unload what's in the car, and they would bring it into the communities, and they would drop off as needed. Mm-hmm. Last year, I was asked by um, a, a community council member in Wash, is there any way we can do furniture? Well, we had the space in the garage. I didn't know where this would take, but I figured what's a few sofas. Well, um, that morphed into something beyond anything we could have imagined. We had three bedrooms full, the laundry no room way. full, the dining room full. That we had a. Um, That's beautiful. My husband rented out a storage facility. He looked at me. He said, "Lady, I've told you you can do anything you want when you set your mind to it." It was one of those things that I, we would come home from a trip. And there would be a driveway full of clothes, and our neighbors are standing there scratching their heads. What's going on over there? Oh, my God. We collected over 20 sofas. We've collected over 25 beds, tables, um, toiletries beyond anything just to help these people get through COVID. A lot of these families were displaced, so they're moving back. Uh One of the last stories, um, conversations I had with Pine Point, their CSO told me, she says, that load of furniture we, we picked up from you that didn't go to Pine Point. I said, where did it go? And she said there was a family sleeping on a basement floor in an apartment mm. in Wabin. Mm. They needed a sofa. They needed a bed. That's where those went. And if, if that's what it takes, so be it. You know, let me be the vessel. It's not me. It's not. It's just there are people put in places to help, to be that connection. Absolutely. And if you have that opportunity, do it. Yeah, I, I just had an interview a couple of episodes ago with a, a friend of mine. Her name's Lisa Metwali. She wrote this book about kindness travels. Mm-hmm. 
Meaning, if one person does a kind act to someone, mm-hmm. then that person has that feeling of like, wow, somebody came and helped me. They go and do this that kind act, right. and it starts becoming a chain. And we need that. We need that now I know. more than ever. And I think that is amazing, and I love Minnesota for that. I mean, I hear a lot of that happening in, in, in all the communities, in the African-American community, in the, in the uh, indigenous communities, mm-hmm. um, LGBT. I remember growing up during the AIDS crisis, and, you know, people didn't know how AIDS was spread in those days. Right. So they, these, when, when gay men were getting AIDS, nobody would go near them. They were in their apartments by themselves, no food, no, no way to go outside because they were afraid to be seen. And the only thing was how kindness from other people. Right. They would go and deliver them. They had Meals on Wheels programs. They gave them food. They donated uh, uh, whatever they needed, medications, whatever. And I, I think that's what's lacking. And I love the fact that you both of you are doing something for your community. It's, we need to get that message out there right. that, that we need more people like you. Thank you, guys. It's, uh, that's Absolutely. why I'm so honored to have you today. Well, the energy that you get from doing this, too, is beyond anything. Oh, absolutely. I've taught Sunday school for 22 years and or confirmation. That pales in comparison to this. Oh, yeah. It's not, what's not far from the truth, Henry, is that um, when you do a good deed for someone, sometimes it's better to, you, you heard that expression, sometimes it's better to give than to receive. And some people get that high from giving. Mm-hmm. And those, yeah. and those are the, what I call good people mm-hmm. that rather give than get. And um, you guys, what you do is just fascinating to me. And again, I, uh, having you here is just right. amazing. Yeah. The last trip I took, I, my husband actually took last Monday off. And I said, let's just get the last of this stuff up because we have a daughter's wedding coming up next month. And we got to make room for people coming to stay with us. Well, you know what, you guys, uh, uh, after the, we do the podcast, we, we put like a little... Um, website uh, uh, next to your podcast so people can click on there and do volunteer work or donate or do whatever whatever you whatever needs you have is it still going to be clothing and food um so i'm going to be pulling away for a little bit just because of this wedding and just for some r&r for 18 months we've been doing it and it's been 40 to 50 hours a week at times four trips a week at times it's like my husband said you gotta pull back just a little bit just Just pull back well we'll see but, you um, can't save the world by yourself, Dana. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, once I make contact with some people up there, now that my friend Henry is on the council, um, once we make connections with the communities, um, within the communities for people to help, mm-hmm. we'll start up again. But um, last trip we made up there, it was funny because it started off with these trips that I would go up and I would drop off at these buildings and people would stand there scratching my head thinking what she's doing now it's to the point that we're five miles out of town and we're being followed because they're waiting they're excited to help (laughs) (laughs) what what takes us 20 minutes to half an hour to load up the car it takes less than five minutes to unload and get everything out awesome that's yeah people they know we're coming and i I can't say enough all the communities great so henry this one's for you okay you have firsthand experience dealing with tribal members who have addiction issues, who are fighting homelessness, 
who lack adequate health care they require? What are some examples of, of those problems that you are comfortable sharing with our listeners? And what are you doing in your capacity as tribal representative to alleviate the negative impact of those issues? Yeah, I guess, you know, that that's my big, my big uh, thing in my campaign was sobriety because uh, mm -hmm. it comes back to me, you know, 1999, I finally went into treatment and, uh, and it actually, you know, I used, I didn't use AA, you know, and a lot of people were telling me, if you don't go to AA, you're never going to make it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I've been using my, my, my culture and my tradition for 23 years now and it, something must be working because you know uh -huh. so they have their own kind of uh, explain it because yeah don't they have mislead. you know i don't they have this you know remember way back in the day uh uh the big book you know the 90 meetings in 90 days you know mm. that that wasn't me you know that probably would have drove me right back to the drinking you know so <laughs> so i i just used you know what worked for me, you know, how I got sober was when I was in treatment, I went to a sweat, sweat lodge and just coming out of there, you know, my, my outlook on alcohol and drugs was like really changed drastically, you know, like, oh, I hate it, you know, mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. to today. So you're 23 years sober now, right? Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Very nice. And then, you know, I worked, I worked in that field, you know, probably for, oh, 16 years. And I started out, you know, at a halfway house back in 2000. And then I went into uh, being an outpatient counselor or kind of a driver first, and I moved in the counseling position. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one day for the tribe, I decided to go out to a treatment center they were running. It was called the Women's Albrighty Center, where women could bring their children. And that was right off on 200 there, uh, probably 10 miles uh, east of Noman there. And uh, I went there and just did the evaluation of the program. They said, why isn't this place making any money? So I went up there and I just sat there, you know, and observed. And the first day I was up there, they handed me like five client files, you know, and I grabbed them and I went back, you know, to White Earth. And then my director said, what are them? And I said, I don't know. They just gave them to me. And I was out there and she goes, oh, no, you bring them back. You're not counseling out there you know and I said oh okay so I brought him back and said I'm not counseling so I'm just observing and then I got you know I was out there for like two weeks just doing like a, you know evaluation of the program and then I went back you know after my report was done I handed it back in and they said thank you you know this is very much appreciated and they looked at it then in two weeks they uh, offered me the position of the program manager out there. Oh, and wow. I said, well, I didn't do this for anybody to lose a job, you know. Right. And they said, no, she was going to retire anyway. So, so, so you, you fell right into your lap, yep. basically. <laughs> so then, then from there, it was just, you know, what, what I did see with all of that was a revolving door. You know, they just come, kept coming back, come, coming back. Mm-hmm. Maybe they got older and they did quit, but then you've seen their children coming through. And uh, everybody is wondering, like, in uh, children in treatment, like we got quite a few on the res now, 
Circle Back, and uh, we have another one in Bemidji over at Oshki. But what they what they really ran into and they keep running into is these kids would never show up. And I told them, I said, you know why these kids don't want to show up? Because them parents don't want you to find out what they're doing, you know. Oh. So, you know, well, it kind of gets, yeah, it kind of gets parents kind of, you know, an uproar, you know, but let your kid go, you know. I mean, I don't I don't care if you're using or not, but we want that kid not to. Exactly, you know? yeah. yeah. And you would think the parents would, you know, yeah. um, understand that. Exactly. And then, you know, I, I, I worked off the reservation, too, as a program manager for, like, uh, Brainerd Care for Windsor. It was a state-run program. I was there for like three years, and then they told me that they were in a in negotiation with um, Lax going to purchase the building, you know. And I said, "Well, you know, my dad was sick anyway back at home, so I said, you know, I think I'm just going to move back home because they told me, you know, your job's safe, you know, and everything. I lived in Brainerd, I owned a house back home, and I said, why am I paying rent, you know, when I own a house, mm. you know? So I moved back home and. You know, sat with dad his remainder of his his. I think he only lasted a year when I got back home. So mm, sorry. Yeah. So um, this is like a part of, uh, of the show, right? You know, uh, again, I'm going to plead ignorance here. You know, I I I know there's issues that I could couldn't possibly come up with that I can you know bring. So let's start with Dana. Um, are there any issues that you would like to uh, talk about that pertain strictly to the native community in your area that need to be addressed or even in the area where um, Henry is and talk about that? It's not just in the cities, it's everywhere. Um, there is this belief that natives don't care for the education that they're getting. I'm a big proponent of it. I, I Truly, it got me out of poverty, getting that college degree. However, mm -hmm. just get that high school degree. You don't need a college degree, maybe a trade school if you need, but even a GED, get that education, complete it, be done. Absolutely. Um, the, the trade school, actually, some of these trade schools, like plumbing, for plumbing, exactly. electricity, they're making more than teachers. What and, people don't yeah. realize is that the Native community is the lowest performing. You don't hear about that because there's not enough of us, apparently. The lowest performing um, ethnic group uh, when it comes to test scores. Parts of the uh, white earth community, it's under 50% graduation rate in high school. Um, I've heard as low as 17%. Usually it's right around 35, 36%. Um, do you attribute that to anything in particular? Well, or? I think COVID has a large part to do with it, but there's other avenues too. There's possibly drug dealing, drug, de drug issues. I don't know the details. Okay. I, I think Henry can answer that more. I know down here, I have seen drug use. I have seen um, kids just not having the resources right. and being embarrassed, being teased, being picked on. Yes, natives still get picked on in wow. school. Um, my oldest came home from school because she is ethnically, she is um, part native. She's not as much as I am, but she is darker than I am. Uh, she came home and said, so-and-so said, the reason we live in this big house in Egan is because you get casino checks. And I laughed. Um, I wish. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, uh, we are not the Midwalken Sioux. They yeah. are one of the, I think if they're not the most profitable by member, 
they also help other tribes, including White Earth, keep programs afloat. Thank God. Um, yeah. White Earth is one of the poorest. And, um, you know, I think um, there, there are no casino checks there. Uh, the other thing that I want people to think about are, is the, the real history. Think about teaching the real history in the, United, in, in the schools, teaching about what happened to natives, the genocides, the mission schools. That is another thing. Yes, we've had mission schools in, in the United States. Uh-huh. Uh, people have, children were murdered. People, children were plucked out of their homes. I definitely want to talk about that later, um, definitely. Right. We, because and it's not just Canada. People think it's just yeah, Canada. Yeah, that's called, you, nobody wants to talk about that. I have told people, no, no, we have them here. University we had of Minnesota. 500 or something? We had over 500. Uh, Oklahoma is actually doing a study or an investigation right now. Uh-huh. I think they were at 800 deaths so far, something like that oh I saw goodness. over the summer. However, University of Minnesota Morris was a big boarding school. So people People think that all natives get free education. That is not true. Mm-hmm. Now at that school, absolutely, because it was a boarding school. I guess the University of Minnesota Twin Cities is now offering that to any federally recognized tribal member. Mm-hmm. Um, that just started, so I'm happy about that. Um, I just think that people need to understand that there's more there's more history than what what we've been told. Okay. What, that we, what we've grown up with. So. Yeah. Thank you for that, Dana. Um, so, Henry, are there any issues that you would like to bring forward that we I may not have touched on that are really something you would want the listeners to know about your community? Uh, our community, you know, is probably the third biggest community uh, on the reservation. We have a lot of other smaller ones that, you know, they always say they get left out. Mm-hmm. You know, you got like Ebro... Uh, you got Pine Bend, uh, Bajou, and Bolio. Also in that, then Rice Lake, and then there will be South End. Kind of, you know, I live on 200, you know, and the big thing to us is the big Rice Lake, you know, that we have. And uh, that's where we get a lot of our rice every year, except for last year. You know, last year, pretty droughty. And, uh, For our listeners, just to edify, uh, it's it's uh, wild rice. Yes. Wild so, rice. Yeah. Just yep. so, because maybe there's some people that are listening that are oh, not from yeah. Minnesota okay. that don't yeah. know that. Okay. And wild rice is, you know, in Ojibwe is Monoman. 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 That's what they call okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're battling, you know, just like, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody else has a battle, kind of like last year with our drought and with the big uh, Lion 3 going through. Uh, like right up, you know, right up on, you know, the reservation and stuff. And we had protesters, you know, and everything where, you know, I even joined a couple of them, you know, on certain days and we had prayers and stuff, you know, but I just told them, I said, you know, they already got it planned. It's going to happen no matter what we do. I said, but we can make noise, you know. So with that coming and in now. And it's not now, just happening in Minnesota. It's happening yeah. everywhere in the right. United States yep. right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they, you know, and then right now, though, it opened up more doors to us where we got a historian now that, you know, works for us with, like, our uh, our bones coming back, you know, like if they make new roads somewhere and they find some bones and, you know, they're white earth, they bring them back. We got 
some nice little uh, cemeteries that they built for that. Mm-hmm. And with that will be the boarding schools too, you know, that the Bones will be coming back too. So, right, right. Oh. you know, and they'll be pretty full probably. But right now we're making, you know, these sites, especially our wild race sites, we're making them historic sites. So whenever anything else like that one's coming now, now they got to ask us per- permission. Awesome. Just like the draining of the water, you know, they like, they do roads and everything, uh, even the pipeline. Well, there was a uh, agreement in place, and it was last revisited back in 2001. So right now, with the new people on board with White Earth, we're going to push for both of them, and we're going to re you know redo that deal of saying if you take water from our river or our lake, you got to ask us. So, mm-hmm. what could the government do? You think to to help you um, in this effort? Is there anything they can do? Uh, uh, because you know, pipelines yeah. again aren't they mostly private uh, companies that yes. do this? Yep. So, can't the government step in and do uh, do something? Well, they could. You know, like Biden stepped in and you well, know, he did. Yes, yeah, and put a stop to that one. And now they're but then you hear that. But then, yeah. if you watch Fox News, you think that it was the worst thing since uh, yeah. the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, but people don't understand. It's like, what if you what if you saw your uh, loved one being dug up? You exactly. know, I mean, they don't understand that concept at all. You know what? They don't care. I hate to say it that way. I've talked to several people who say, oh, they're just blowing smoke. It's like, no, they're not. No. Do you want somebody putting one through your backyard? Uh, really? Thank you. Thank really. you very much. And, and this is this is why, again, I, have to, I can't keep saying it. I have you guys here because I want people out there to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The truth shall set you free. You give people, you give the native people land, the reservations, but mm-hmm. yet now you're going to run pipelines through it. Yeah. Really? And what's up with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I want to just share one more thing with that. Oh, sure. Right now, you know, with the, the line three, well, there's still pipe underground, you know, that they're not using from the last line. So now they're asking, you know, the people, you know, that the line went under is if, do you want it to stay there or do you want it taken out? And what what they do with the empty, empty uh, line pipe, pipe there, they fill it up with some foam or something mm-hmm. and then they leave it. So uh, White Earth right now is saying, no, we want it dug up, you know. So okay. So you're gonna dig it up without the least amount of contaminants, you know that. Yeah, I mean, they don't realize that that's not healthy. What well, they're putting in those yeah. pipes, well, right? Well, not only that, but uh, NPR did a study or did a story. They mm-hmm. said that uh, last yeah, last year, I think it was June or August. If you look it up online, you'll be able to find it. it wasn't just NPR; it was other news areas that um, shared which didn't really make the news, um, 28 different times or 28 different spots where dr- drilling fluid yeah, contaminated that's water. That's what I mean, yeah, drilling fluid. That's yeah. the, that was but the word I was it's, looking for. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, but Enbridge says that, that it's safe and they're not doing that and it's going to be better, da, da, da. 28 times in just a few months. Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's you know they they got we we met with you know the people from the capital and everything down here. 
they came visit us, and they actually have, you know, uh, some uh, lawsuits on them right now because uh, the way they did it and everything. Because they go back, you know, I don't know how many years to see if vegetation grows or whatever else. So. Uh, I don't know. It's, it boggles the mind how people, you know, are so selfish, and they, you know, it's, it's, they don't understand that there's other communities that are being influenced by this. As long as it doesn't affect them. Well, that's it. Not in my backyard, right? Yeah. Remember that expression? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I, I recently interviewed uh, Governor Jim Carlson. Yep. I think you know he was the last podcast that I did before sure. yours, and he introduced a bill appropriating money for a monument. I don't know if you know this to missing and murdered Indigenous women. Did you know that? And um, my question to you would be, why do you think this is happening more often in Native communities than in the overall overall community at large? Who wants to take that one? Well, I, I pulled up some facts because that's what I do. I always, my husband always says, just state the facts. So here are the facts. Um, we all know the name Gabby Patino. We all know the name Jody Who's in Truth. Okay. Do we know about Nevia Kingbird? Have you ever heard of her? No. Okay. What about, uh, what is her name right here? Uh, there was a woman that went missing in Duluth in August of 2015. Sheila Sinclair. She was a 54-year-old okay. yeah, woman that was her. leaving her apartment. Very similar to Jody Hughes in Truth, I think. Mm -hmm. We don't hear about these. The truth is the Star Tribune, was it um, not too long ago, actually, the Star Tribune, Minneapolis Star Tribune in March of 2022 did um, a story, and they said between 2012 and, two, uh, and 2020, each month, 27 to 54 Native American women, each month, not a year, each month, 27 to 54 Native American women would be murdered or One go missing. missing. Wow. And think per about month. per month. And think about the percentage of Native American women versus any other ethnic group. Wow. Of our, of our population. And you don't hear this stuff on the news at all, do you? No. No. Anyway. And I'm happy that Jody, who's in truth, has all this attention and Gabby Patino. But what about Navia? She's still missing. October. She's a 15 year old that came from Bemidji. They've deemed her a runaway. Is she a runaway? I don't know. Right, right, right. Nobody's heard from her. Henry, do you do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, you know, that's that's a big, you know, one over there in Bemidji area of, you know, Navea, I think is the name. Is it Navea? Heaven, okay. heaven spelled backwards, I think. That's right, yes. Yeah. And uh, we also have one up in our district up there, you know, uh, a young lady, you know, a mother of probably three and really young uh was at our casino one night and got kindly over intoxicated uh -huh. you know and i don't know what's going on you know we got to look into it ourselves as a new council of saying how can somebody get that intoxicated at our casino and walk out of there and then she got about a mile away got hit by a car car kept going and she ended up on the other side of the road, so another car came and ran her over. And that's oh, probably goodness. what killed her. Right. So right now, you know, they're looking for, you know, the, the ones that did run her over first. But they, they what really... What road was this on again? It was on County Road 7 over there. Oh, okay. Uh, 
by by our by our new casino our Bagley Casino they call it right right yeah and uh, every year they do do a memorial for her. you know they go to her boyfriend's house with the kids you know and they'd mm-hmm. have a big potluck dinner you know and stuff and games and just tell stories and then mm-hmm. just before it gets dark at that time they do a walk mm-hmm. from the casino to that corner. And last year, I was really a big part of it, uh, and it was it was really fulfilling for me, you know, just to know that right right now, uh, still getting though, you know, the oh, you're friends with them, you know, and it's like, well, it it ain't like I'm not friends, you know. It's we're all close together there, you know. We're probably related, you know. Uh-huh. So, so I hope they get caught. I said, but, you know, from now till then, you know, I will help you guys any way I can. And what I did was I ordered uh, some of these uh, uh, MMIW women. A guy cut them out for me on his little laser thing there, and they stand about four feet tall. And then I had her cousin, who's a painting, you know, artist, she painted them for us. Mm-hmm. And then we gave them to each of them women because we don't only have one. We have uh, one years ago that was two sisters that burned up in a car. Mm-hmm. And they can't find out who did that either, you know. And well, uh, Going back to that monument, do you know if it was built yet or if it's there or what the story is? I have is? no idea. I, I don't think it is yet. But, you know, like I say, we're, we're working, you know, like Wellstone too. Paul Wellstone. Right, the one that got killed in the train yes, thing. Yes, there. Yes. His son's actually doing uh, some kind of thing. What did they call it again? Uh, we actually, as a tribe, bought into it. Okay. Because we pay them every year for uh, like an app. Uh huh. It's an app they do. We pay we pay them every year, and we've been paying them every year. While the new council came on, and we said, "Why are we paying them every year?" Yeah. Why aren't we into it, you know, like a business? Uh-huh. So that's what we actually did now. Uh-huh. We, we gave them, you know, I don't want to say the millions, but right, right, we right. bought into it. And then in years to come, when money gets made, it comes back to the tribe. Fabulous. It, it, then I'll get a check, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very healing. You see, because I, I went down to um, Minneapolis right after George Floyd was murdered. Yep. He was murdered. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I don't care what you say. He was murdered. I, yep. I mean, you know, people say, oh, you know, he was no, fighting. He, he was no. definitely murdered. He was murdered. And they have a uh, a monument to him there now mm-hmm. to, for, for uh, actually, it's not, I, don't, I would say it is to him, but it's to every person that right. was killed unjustly in this country. And I think the Native peoples need one as well. I mean, we need to have these women uh, remembered. We need to have some place to go to put, to put our thoughts and prayers, and place flowers or whatever healing process you have, right. so that these yep. women are remembered because they are, they were vital to the community. They were someone's mom, sister, aunt. I, I think that would be beautiful part of their healing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if absolutely. they ever find out, because I know with the Sheila St. Clair one too, I was actually working at the treatment center in Bemidji, you know, the Oshkimani do there. Mm-hmm. New spirit, they call it. And uh, 
she came up because her daughters were in treatment there and you know we did everything we could you know to try to get closure for them and yeah yeah they, they actually got a a lead one time you yeah. know but but I don't know where it went to. Well, you know, the gay community, too. I mean, I was, like, uh, right. I think you guys know, I was born and raised in New York. Right. Um, I remember uh, older gay men, when I was uh, living there, telling me stories about Stonewall. Um, and that's that's our monument. That's where people, gay people go from all over the world go to remember those men oh. that were beaten and raped and by, by cops and... Uh, the stories I could tell you, I don't want to say on the air because it's so brutal that you wouldn't believe if I told you. Uh, in the paddy wagons, them sticking uh, oh. belly clubs in their, you know, in their, you know, places, and uh, these men were telling me these stories with tears in their eyes uh, uh, about the inhumanity. Uh, and so I, I, I get this monument thing. I get it, and I think that, and I hope the two of you work on that, or we can get someone to. Yeah. Do that because it, you. Everyone needs healing. Everyone needs a place to go to remember people and to understand the history right. of 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 your people. And so, thank you if you if you do that. I'm sure I'll be the first one there with you. I'll go with you. <laughs> anyway, so now we've come to the part of the show I like to call the shift, where I shift the questioning away from your involvement with the White Earth Reservation and into your opinion of current events. And uh, so this is the. Uh, shift part of the show every show i i do this it's just a way of getting uh more uh current events involvement and your opinions right. so we're going to go into your opinions of certain issues and the first one obviously i want to talk about is uh the pope oh yeah uh so what do you guys think about the pope's apology to the indigenous people of canada regarding boarding schools for native children and um and as Dana already mentioned uh, there were over 500 such schools in the U.S. as right. well as we don't talk about that. But let's just talk about the Pope for a minute. What do you? What's your opinion about finally having a Pope? Why even did he? It? Why did he wear a headdress? Why was he allowed to wear a headdress? That's sacred. Yeah, I don't. I, is, I saw that. Yeah, that that's. Was, I don't know how you feel about it, but I saw that and I'm like, no. Yeah, uh, it was a little jarring. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I was out in California last week for a self-governance conference and there was a guy that was like MC, but you couldn't see him you know he was behind a curtain or something but he kind of you know made a little joke about that that we're having this conference but we're not going to put a headdress on a pope here this week you know so <laughs> and and when i seen that you know that's totally what what i thought was why are they disgracing you know, our was that his idea, or was that I don't know because who knows? Who knows? I'll no, share. I'll share a story. I I was getting my hair cut back probably ten years ago, in a local town there, and uh -huh. uh, this guy told me he had a headdress, and I said, "Really?" I said, "What kind of headdress?" And he goes, "Oh, it's white, got black, you know, on the tips of it." Yeah. And I said, "Well, do you think I could see it?" And he goes, "Well." Uh, I'll call him. Maybe he will. So he called the guy, and the guy came from a neighboring town, you know, and I waited for him. Yeah. And he brought this headdress out. He was a non-native, you know. Uh, we call him Chumukuman, but uh, <laughs> uh, white, you know. Uh, Caucasian. joke, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he had, My husband. Yeah. <laughs> Your husband is a... Yeah. What but, was the word again so the listeners could... 
Rebecca I'll let Henry say it. Chamukamon. <laughs> okay, okay. Chamukamon. Yeah. yeah. We had we had a cousin named Chamuk. We called him Chamuk. But he was enrolled too, but he looked more Chamuk, so but he came over with that headdress. And that headdress was a authentic thirty feather black tip eagle feather. Mm. And I asked him, I said, Where'd you get this? Yeah. And he goes, Well, I had it hid for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. He said, I got it from a guy down in Roar Lake, kind of where I live there. His wife was battling cancer. And I seen him at the store down there one day, and he sold it to me for 700 bucks. And I said, well, can I take it, you know, just to see if I can find out, you know, where it come from or whatever, because it had number two on it. So... I took it to the historian and all my mentors, you know, and mm-hmm. they they didn't have no clue. So then I had to take it in the ceremony. So I went into ceremony with it. And the guy told me them feathers were coming back to the family. He goes, and it was probably your grandfather that made this. So he goes, what I got to tell you is that I cannot get this back. He goes, but you make them a bundle, and you make it plentiful for this guy. Mm-hmm. So I knew the guy because he watched me play basketball when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, He goes, you were the best player to come off that race. You know? <laughs> and I said, well, okay, here's the deal. I said, I can offer you a gift bundle, but I can't give it back. Oh, that's fine. So I, I give him like a utility trailer. I give him a nice oh, wow. 30, 30, 30, savage pump but rifle isn't that amazing that uh, yeah. uh, that he understood how yeah. meaningful that was that's very and, nice. and yeah. he didn't argue about it dark quilts yeah. i give him wild rice and everything and nice. he, he was okay with that very awesome know? so i still got that today so yeah i i can't use it for show or nothing so i'm not going to put it on a pope so no exactly <laughs> right so um peggy flanagan our lieutenant governor here in Minnesota, she is of the White Earth Nation. Is, is that correct? Yes. Do, do either of you want to talk about her? Did you ever meet her? or? Um... I've never met her, no. Um, but I was watching her come up. Our son was in high school, and I was working with the Native advocates or volunteering with the Native advocates, and I said, you've got to get him to get her to speak at the, uh, the ceremony. Mm-hmm. They had for Native kids graduating, and they said, well, who's that? And I said, she's going to be the next lieutenant governor. And there she is. You know, uh, I just had a um, podcast a couple of weeks ago. when We were talking about Ketanji Brown-Jackson being oh, yeah. the first African-American on the Supreme Court. Now, little girls will look at, at her and go, you know, someday I can be. We need uh, a Native one. We need a Native woman. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Now Native little girls can look and say, right. I can be a lieutenant governor of the state of a state. Exactly. So these, these images, these, these people right. are definitely role models for people. And I think it's amazing that she, you know, uh, that we have someone like Peggy Flanagan who mm-hmm. can, uh, little girls can, that are living in the Native community will look at her and go, you know, I'm going to grow up and be lieutenant governor like Peggy Flanagan, yeah. you know. And it, you know, leave it to a Native. I mean, she's, she grew up poor herself. I think natives are tend to be the most resilient mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. And she's she's smart as a as oh, a whip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep, yep, oh yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Per, it, that was the perfect choice that uh, Governor Walls right. 
chose her because yep. um, I've heard her speak and she's amazing. Yes, I I knew her father, you know, more more than I know her. Oh, okay. Can you want and to talk yeah, a little just shortly that was, about uh, Marvin? Marvin Minipenny was her father, and uh, Marvin had you know the constitution, you know, of MCT. He he knew a lot, mm-hmm. and and he taught a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was actually on the election board before, you know, listening to, you know, Marvin come in and talk and everything. And even as a younger guy, just, you know, because he lived right in White Earth there. He just passed on here now, probably about, you know, maybe two years ago now. Oh, okay. From, you know, the disease that usually pretty much gets a native is diabetes, you know. Mm. So, so uh, I, I know him. I know the family. I haven't really met her, you know, but I hear a lot of good stuff about her. And uh, I'm glad, you know, we do have a White Earth Enroll member in that position. Isn't that great? And uh, that's what my uncle, I got an 86-year-old uncle, you know, telling me, if you need any help to go anywhere else, he goes, let me know. And I'm like, what does he want me to be governor? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> President, maybe, you'll, President. maybe you'll run one day, right, Henry? Yeah, really. <laughs> As you know, uh, both of you, uh, the Republicans are complaining oh, yeah. that gas prices are high because the Keystone Pipeline was canceled by this Biden administration. Sure. Um, this is oil that wasn't even intended uh, for American consumption anyway. Did you know that? Yeah. And... Uh, but it would have been used for sale overseas, so it's more for making money for the oil companies. Um, aren't many of these pipelines actually being run through sacred native land? And I, I think you talked about one in Minnesota. Uh, yep. Could you want to just touch on that briefly? Because I think you yeah, that was it. the line three. You know, line it three, was, right? It was going through no matter what. You know, no matter what the path was. So. Is it there now? Is yes. it Did it run through? Yep. And is there any any movement on getting it removed or taken? No. Uh, no? No. It's, it's there. It's there. Well, pumping, maybe pumping we should oil. all be writing letters to our... So if you want to see more star- stuff about that, uh, if you what is it the Netflix or Showtime? It's Showtime. It's called The Circus. It's that political show. Mm-hmm. They did a story on that. One of them in the last... Okay. Season, um, I believe CBS did it. Was it sixty minutes? Somebody else did one too. Okay. So it is gaining momentum. There has been talk about it, but it's still there. The line right. is still there, and it's not going anywhere. Maybe our listeners could write some mm-hmm. letters to the to the you know the powers that be and and have that uh, pipeline removed and get it out of there. Because right. Especially if it's holy land. It's sacred. The water sacred. can be con- contaminated. It's just... It's, it's, yeah, it's a hundred million reasons why it shouldn't right. be there. Yeah. Yep. So I just wanted to bring that out there to make sure that our listeners know that this is uh, an issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, another question is, uh, will abortion access to Native women still be available on reservations since the U.S. government has no control over those communities, or does it have control over those communities? So we had talked about this earlier. Um, the thing is, is that on the tribal lands, as as a tribal member, we are able to get free health care on the reservation through the yeah. Indian Health Services. Mm-hmm. That is a subset of the Human and Health Services, which is f- as part of the federal government, which is federally funded. Because of that, abortions aren't done on there. So we, yes, it is a sovereign nation, but that is one of those areas that it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, was reading about this. CNN actually did a um, wrote 
about this on June 26th of this last year when R.V. Wade, it had come out, I think, the Thursday before. Um, coincidentally, my husband and I were out, were out in Washington, D.C., dog-sitting for our grand dog for our daughter. And we woke, woke up that morning, took the dog for a walk, and I said, I got to get down to the Capitol because you're hearing about all the stuff on the local news, what's going on. There was people protesting for it, people protesting against it. So on a Sunday morning, about 10 o'clock in the morning, we took the metro down there. We went down there. We supported it. The Capitol Police were great. Uh, people from all over the world, didn't matter what your background was, didn't matter if you were male or woman. We saw grandmothers with their daughters, with their granddaughters, with their great-granddaughter babies. We saw people from Finland. We saw people from England, from Australia, um, Africa, supporting it. Mm -hmm. We saw gay couples. We saw everybody. We saw transgender. Because I think these people realize what is next. Oh, it's a slippery slope, absolutely. And yeah. it wasn't what, two, three weeks later, we heard that they're talking about rescinding um, same-sex marriage? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and transitioning to um, the LGBT community, as you know, I am a member of that right. community, um, and I'm a fierce proponent of equality for all people. I'm wondering how LGBT people are treated in the Native community, and what special obstacles they face. Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, with the LGBT uh, community, uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, very big supporter of, of that, you know, because I have it in my own family. And, you know, my daughter was kind of, you know, leery of how I'd react, you know, when she did finally come up and tell me mm -hmm. and I just told her you know that I said what can I do about it I said you know I'm not nothing's going to change you know the way I look at it I said and you know and I love my 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 daughter-in-law you know and I actually made her my assistant to me on the tribal council because she does such an awesome job you know, with family functions and, you know. And, and it's so amazing having a parent who understands. See, right. I had, my mom was, it was funny. I, I, think I, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast. When I told my mom, she started to cry. So I thought, uh-oh. And she was a very liberal-minded person. Right. So I'm thinking, oh, what is she crying about? She goes, I said, you don't love me anymore, Mom? And she says, no, I'm not crying for that. I'm crying because I'm never going to have grandchildren. <laughs> she was more worried about the kids. Yeah. Than, oh, well. I said, oh, well, Mom, maybe I'll adopt one day. But I never ended up doing right. that. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, uh, Dana, do you have anything to say about that? You know, I have family up there, and I was talking to them about this. Um, there are just so many issues. And being gay trans whatever mm -hmm. isn't an issue of course not yeah. it's not and you know people are trying to survive they were doing poverty they're trying to put meals on the table they're looking for jobs um they're not worried about that mm -hmm. it's um there's just issues they have issues this is not an issue that's mm -hmm. all i can say right well so. thank you both for being allies yeah absolutely i mean we 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 like i i think i mentioned this before the podcast that all the marginalized people have to vote as a block, right? Because mm -hmm. we need to take uh, uh, control of this 
hatred that's spreading in this country. And I think, uh, you know, having awareness of Native issues, LGBT issues, African-American issues, Latino issues, et cetera, et cetera, right. all the way down, um, that will make us a more cohesive country, I think. Right. I, and, uh, and obviously liberal white people as well. I mean, we need allies of all kinds. And... Um, and uh, and thank you again for being allies because I, I I without you guys you know we wouldn't have had our marriage rights and all that stuff so I'm worried that it's going to be taken away though oh me too and that's why we need to vote right that's why yeah. we're all going to be running to the ballot box this yes. November right anyway so um unfortunately this is we've come to the end of the show oh wow are you sad I'm sad yeah <laughs> um so I'm just going to tell our listeners if they want to contact uh, uh find out more information about your communities we have the pine point community council is that right right yep. we have the rice lake community council and the natawash natawash community uh, i'll spell it n-a-y-t-a-h-w-a-u-s-h is that right Yes. And that's also the Natawash Community Council. You could find them on right on Facebook. Yep. Right, those are the more isolated communities on the reservation. They're uh -huh. not on the main drag. We're talking 15, 20 minutes, forty minutes away uh -huh. from Highway Fifty Nine. Uh -huh. um, if that is too far for somebody to want to drive and drop off clothing, whatever, call them. Maybe send gift cards. The other option is to contact one of the community councils on the communities on Highway 59. You have Ogama, you have Wabin, you have White Earth, which is probably just a few miles off. Mm -hmm. Monoman, you have Callaway uh, Community Council. The other option is Jackie Bernacki. Uh, Henry mentioned her. She runs three or four parishes up there. One of them is St. Philip's in Rice Lake. Yep. She's always in need. Um, Columba, is it Columba in White Earth? Yep. Okay, and then Pine Point, which that is closed right now, doing a mold, but she's she's still going out there. That's all I know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't get up there enough. The other option is it's here in the cities. Not only was I w helping White Earth, I was helping with the communities down here, Division of Indian Works. Contact the food shelf, see what they need. They have select hours. Feel free to drop off diapers and formula were top of their needs. Um, homeward Bound shelter um ask for dave goodman call and ask for dave goodman um if you can't get a hold of them i would say stop in between 9 and 12 they're always looking for brand new undergarments brand new socks they're looking for adult clothing only make sure they're washed they're going to need winter coats coming up yeah oh yeah that's a so, big one yeah and blankets and blankets yeah yeah, so. yeah. Well, um, I want to thank you both so much for sharing your time with us on the Downright Upright Show. I think it's pronounced Migwich. 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 Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. And then Forgive in, me. Uh, also in uh, the native uh, Ojibwe language, there's no word for goodbye. Oh. So they always say, Gego Wabamin Minowa. Trans roughly translated. See, what you, see you again. See you again. Okay, yeah. I like that better, yeah. And to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us today, and please stay tuned for more of the Downright Upright show in the future. And this is Philip Anthony, and uh, I'd like to wish everyone a wonderful rest of their summer, and see you soon. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. <laughs>